Hi, and welcome to Tits and Tea, the self-sponsored, that's not a thing, self-published, we're not a book, and self-edited, that's why it's clunky, fortnightly podcast, where Rochelle, that's me, and Emily, that's me, drink tea and talk about, what are we going to talk about? Mm, Like life and stuff? Sure, where we talk about life and stuff. Imagine this podcast is like having a cup of tea with a couple of mates. Enjoy this episode. Here we are, lockdown five, recording the Tits and Tea episode one for the fifth time. Why are we record? We will we we why are we? <laughs> this is why we're recording it for the fifth time because I can't speak. Why are we recording it for the fifth time, Emily? Well. The first episode, we just thought we'd freestyle it. We were like, oh, look, we're funny and witty and great. Let's just record one of our general (laughs) conversations and see what happens. We'll just see what happens. And what happened in that episode? We just talked about you bargain shopping. Like, it was 20 minutes of Rochelle telling me about the bargains that she'd found at Aldi. (laughs) And then we stopped and looked at each other and went, no one needs to hear this. But if you do want to save money, I'll do my own podcast about being the most amazing bargain hunter and manifesting of money ever. You are very good at manifesting money and you are a great bargain hunter. Yeah. I will give you that. Yeah. Maybe there is an episode in that, but we probably need to workshop Structure it a bit it. more. Yeah. <laughs> Not me going and call this in the sale. Um, episode two. Episode two. This is when things got serious. Episode, <laughs> episode two was when we thought, okay, we need to put a bit more structure and framework around tits and tea. So what we'll do is we'll do a crash course in journalism and we'll start talking about all things popular culture. And so we did, we had whiteboard and everything <laughs> with notes on it. It was it was epic. And so we did an entire episode trying very hard to sound like we really knew what we were talking about. And we talked about Britney Spears. We talked about Brits being trapped in Australia and not being able to go home to see their families. We talked about Bill well, the Crosby. Sp- the spin after that was Free Brit, Free Britney. Oh, yeah. I think we I think we found a really good title for the podcast episode. <laughs> and we were like, yeah, we've nailed this. <laughs> yeah. Nailed the title. And then we tried to... Yeah, become instant and then journalist. We spoke about the Olympics. Oh yeah, we were oh, all of a smoking sudden. marijuana, <laughs> hair caps, the crown, everything. Um, it was hilarious. I we, mean, we did it twice, so that was actually episode two and three <laughs> because we did it once. Decided we hadn't done it well enough. We didn't sound professional enough, and that there were some facts and figures missing from. I what mean, we, we spoke had about. statistics and everything. We did. Didn't we, we? Yeah, we googled statistics. Um, so we did that twice. That was joyous and then the fourth recording was when we realized that we had to stop pretending to be people that we weren't so we did a whole ranty episode again with no structure on express yourself (laughs) hey 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 yeah we did a whole thing about like be yourself why are we trying to be different people, Rochelle? Um, and <laughs> Why don't we just be us, Emily? Yeah, let's just be us. Like, yeah, girl power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, who are we trying to impress? And then Can I... you just come off a gap, yeah? <laughs> and then I went to edit it. I got about 10 minutes through and then I stopped and sent it to Rochelle. And I was like, are we really going with this? And she and was I like, got five, <laughs> I got five minutes and I was like, we need to re-record this. So... So here we are. The question is... At the fifth fucking recording of the first episode of Tits and Tea. All right, let's strip it back to basics. Why did we want to do this podcast series in the first place? Why are we actually doing tits and tea? What are we even doing in front of the microphone? You right there, mate? Just putting some wood on the fire. Just some background noise from Rochelle there. Do you want to stay warm? I do want to stay warm. Okay, shut up. Fair. Don't shut up. We've got a podcast to record. (laughs) So then we had a conversation of just like, okay, well, let's go back to basics. Why do we want to do this podcast? And I think most of it came off the back of, stop making the rustling noise. We could have done this, but you could have got all that wood out of the bag before I hit record, and then you wouldn't have to have all that background noise. (laughs) (laughs) I've stopped now. So the reason that we wanted to record Tits and Tea was basically because we did the Unashamedly 40 podcast, and we got loads of really lovely feedback. And did you just burn your finger? Go and put it under some cold water. It's fine. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I can cut this bit out. Oh, please don't. Take a moment to compose yourself. Feedback from from Tits and Tea. Feedback from Unashamedly 40. 
Unashamedly 40. You can say unashamedly. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say the word. It's my favourite thing. You say unashamedly. You've got, you put a B in the middle of it Stop and it's it. so cute. Say it again. <laughs> now I've got stage fright. Okay. Anyway, hear your feedback from the 40 podcast. From the 40 podcast. Um, so the feedback that we got from the 40 podcast was that people really loved our dynamic and it felt really comfortable and easy listening to us and people felt like they were sitting around a table having a cup of tea with us and we were like, well, actually, we've all learned a few things over the last year and a bit of lockdowns and isolation and social distancing and a lot of that is how important friendship is and how important connection is and how important it is to feel like you are in an environment where you're having Mm. a cup of tea and a general chat with someone and not everybody has that to the extent that you and I have that with each other and so why not put that on a podcast series and let other people enjoy it and create some kind of community the tits and tea community where people feel like they're being heard people feel like they've got a place to hear their opinions and their stories and their experiences expressed whilst feeling like they're having a cup of tea yeah around the fire which is what you and I and Theodore are doing right now so that was the origin that was the whole point of us doing this podcast and it was like the moment that we started talking about that again and decided yeah. that we didn't have to be British journalists <laughs> who were talking people about going I want to live my authentic self <laughs> yeah let's just be really authentic um once we kind of cleared that shit out of the way and really got back to basics it was like why why do people want to hear this from us yeah. and everyone said to me the feedback I got was could you and Em have a great dynamic but you're really good friends and then we were like well why are we good friends why are we friends mm. and what makes good friendship so yeah. let's talk about that let's firstly how did we meet oh, oh this is a cute story yeah. here you go no, because I sound like a stalker. That's why you get to tell the story. <laughs> okay, so... Because otherwise I make you sound like a stalker. So Emily and I were at the same yoga studio and our teacher used to say quite a lot of the time, you and Rochelle should be friends. And Emily being Emily is like, I'm so busy. I've got so many friends. I don't need any more friends. And I'm just like, I work a lot. Yeah, whatever, man. Probably didn't say it that cool. <laughs> whatever, man. <laughs> whatever, man. I'm so cool. Don't need any friends. Um... And then I followed Emily on Instagram and she did this big rant one day about, um, it was during the COVID lockdown, that she couldn't get her favourite tea, which is a British tea. And I just happened a few days later to be in the supermarket and they had an influx of this tea. So I thought I'll get her one and leave it at the yoga studio for her. And then Daya kindly gave it to Emily and she's like, I don't know who this chick is. Dare kept saying to me, so Dare is our yoga teacher, and Dare kept saying to me, you know Rochelle, lovely Rochelle, you know, Rochelle, she's the one, she works with dentists, Rochelle, and I was just like, who are you talking about? She was like, you know, she's the British one, and I just could not place you, Mm. and she was like, you sat next to her in class, you've spoken to her, I've seen you have a conversation with her, and I was just like, nah, drawing such a blank on it, but I was very grateful for the tea, anyone interested, it's higher living cocoa and chilli, my favourite tea in the whole world. If you would like to sponsor us, we're open to looking yeah. at contracts. Higher living, if you would like to sponsor us, that would be great. I only, I only, I really only care for your chilli and cocoa tea, though. Yeah, so that's kind of how we became mates. And then, yeah, we just started hanging out and we ended up with this really beautiful friendship. Well, yeah, let me fill in the blank, though. So for ages, so I didn't... Blanks. <laughs> so for ages, I didn't know who you were. And then I think... We did a two and a half hour meditation. We did, yeah. Can I just say to the general public, I'm not stalking Emily. I just have a really, really good memory of things that have happened in my life. <laughs> I can probably tell you the date. I can actually tell you the date. Really? I think, yeah. I think it was the 4th of July. Mm. 2020? Yeah. And we did that too. Was yeah. that... Was either the 3rd or the 4th of July. It was just before we went into the second yeah. lockdown in Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah, so we did like a two and a half hour master's touch meditation which if you've never done a two and a half hour meditation before you should it's pretty impressive and we actually sat next to each other there and another girl called Ellie was there as well and she's also a legend and obviously Dea was facilitating it was at her studio and I think it was after that two and a half hour meditation you made a little group I made a little group I was like you're cool you're cool and obviously I knew and and loved Dea already (laughs) 
And that's when I worked out who you were. That's yeah. when I was like, oh, you're the tea girl. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so then I made a little Facebook group and we arranged to have dinner the, the following weekend. Remember, we were going to go to Sister of Soul, you, me, Ellie and Daya. Mm. And then lockdown happened that week. The big, massive room yeah. lockdown. And so we didn't go. But you and I continue to be really good friends and I can't remember oh no it wasn't the big lockdown we were having dinner at your house yes we weren't going to sister of soul we we're having dinner at your house yeah. and then we had dinner and that was really lovely and then the following week we we're going to go to sister of soul and there was a lockdown yeah but I just had a really lovely time sitting with you at dinner and just chatting shit you know, like this chick who stalks me giving me tea it's actually quite cool Oh, I just think you made me laugh a lot. I this, so, And I think this is one of the things that makes a great friendship for me personally because it fits in line with my values is like sat next to you and you just got my jokes. You got yeah. my sarcasm. You got my references to English culture. You just, I didn't ever need to explain anything no. to you. Like you just got my humour. And so I felt like I was really able to express myself quite freely with you. Mm. And I think that... And not explain. And not have to explain yeah. or worry that that sarcasm came across as actually quite bitchy or whatever. Because the joke's not funny if you have to explain it, is it? No, never. Um, and then lockdown happened and that's when we were like, okay, well, let's just do loads of walking. <laughs> yeah, and I just had a breakup. Yeah. I think you actually saved me from my breakup. You were like my... Um, what do you have after a breakup? Have a... Breakdown? No, not breakdown. The person after you break up. Oh, rebound. Yeah, you were like my rebound, but you've just like stayed around. My rebound friend. Plutonic rebound. <laughs> we hung out. We became best lockdown buddies. Yeah. Because we both live on our own. We're we both were single. Both single. Turning 40 within sort of eight weeks of each other. Mm. Both lost our mums. So we yeah. feel that. Yeah, the connection of death. Connection of death. So, Emily, what makes a great friend? Because now we've... We've kind of worked out why we're friends. I think... Is it convenience? Are we friend, I friends think circumstance, of convenience? I think circumstance makes yeah. friendships. Yeah. Um, convenience is a bit awful to say, isn't it? It's a friendship of convenience. That's a bit like, that's not really a friendship, is it? No, but circumstance I agree with. Yeah. Like you will have friends throughout your life, won't you, that are circumstantial friends. Like I've had really great friends in places that I've worked, especially when I was working in hospital. And, you know, you work such intense hours and such long hours with people and you drink with them because you knock off at the same time as them. And mm. you kind of really do. You have these friendships that you think are going to last forever because they feel so... Like they feel like family and then yeah. you leave that restaurant or you go and work somewhere else or you get promoted into a different site and then you just never really hear from them again. And it's that kind of like weird feeling of like, oh, maybe that friendship was actually more about us talking about other members of staff or what Table 23 did that night or why we never have enough stock of whatever. Like, And yeah. that's when you begin to realise that there are circumstantial friends and that doesn't make the friendship any less valuable in its time, but it's really transient. Yeah. And I, I struggled with that a little bit in my 20s, but now I'm, I'm much more spiritual. I understand that nothing is meant or designed to last forever and, and things come and go and people come and go in the different seasons of your life. And so I'm much more willing to roll with those sorts of transient friendships equally. I don't work in hospital anymore, so I don't really have those sorts of friendships yeah. anymore. But um, so, yeah, I do think circumstance, like would we have become such close friends in such a short period of time had we not been in lockdown and chosen to spend lockdown, you know, walking the dog every mm. single day and, you know, you feeling the need to, um, I guess, busy yourself yeah. on the back of the breakup and me being a relatively good support system for that. And yeah, we've got loads of things in common. We have both lost parents like you said we're both from the UK we have the same sense of humor but more than that I think we were brought up with the same values and standards and I think mm. that is key so parents yeah I think so we have the same stance on so many things and not that I want to sit in an echo chamber in fact I've got lots of friends who have completely different opinions on me to me in, in lots of different respects and I actually really value those friendships because I think it's really important that you challenge yourself and 
continue to push the boundaries of what you believe to be true unlearning is one of the most spiritual concepts that there is right to unlearn something yeah. that you thought was fact mm. and then just to allow that to dissolve and loosen so that you can expand and grow in a different way and experience life at a different level but I think for you and I we have the same sort of moral compass yeah do you think um, the Chadbourns and Fishers would have been friends I mean, my parents didn't really socialise with people from up north. I'm so joking. That's such a joke. My parents, can I just say my parents was from, were from Birmingham, so they're Midlanders. Fair play, Chad Bomb. They would nice have been move. friends. Yeah, they think they would have been friends. Certainly Jane and Margaret. Oh, Jane and Margs. They um, would have been besties. Did your parents have many friends? Yes. Do you think friendship has changed throughout the generations? I think... It's very difficult for me to answer this because my life is so different to my parents. So where my parents were married, had two children, so their social circle was very much about football and school and the church. I've moved to the other side of the world and I don't have a social circle of, I'm going to call it a forced social circle. Yeah, again, so in, again it's almost circumstantial, isn't it? Yeah. You're using, I can't say that word. Um, Circumstantial. <laughs> Circumstantial. Oh, yeah. Nailed it. Now, unashamed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, unashamed. <laughs> yeah. That's very sweet. Yeah, so I think they've been in social circles that they've had to be in. It's hard to compare, isn't it? Because I only know my own life and I don't have children. See, that's the thing. It's a massive I, difference. I don't think we can compare because we don't have children. But because we've both travelled, and one thing I've re- realised is even though I've got really good friends while travelling, it's very transient. Mm. So, you know, one minute you can be hanging out with someone every day and just your best friends, and then the next minute they drop a bombshell and they're heading home to wherever that is. And it's like you kind of have to pick yourself up again. Yeah, again, it's about that transience, not transience, sorry, it's about letting go. And it's about allowing friendships to come and go and appreciating that they are, you know, the the length of a friendship does not define the intensity or the love behind it. Mm. Um, And again, I think that is probably what was quite different in our parents' generation because there was less travel. I mean, I know my my dad was in the Navy, so there was lots of Mm. travel around the country. But... And in our generation where we have people just picking up and moving countries and going off left, right and centre and there's not Zoom. Anymore. And, well, not anymore. <laughs> and there's Zoom and, you know, yeah. you can work all, the way, all around the world now. I do think friendships are different. And I think sometimes we struggle in our generation. So I'm talking about, to an extent, Gen X, but certainly the millennial generation. We, I think we struggle a bit with this sort of like old, outdated paradigm that you should be friends with people for life. And that friendships should last forever because a lot of the friendships that we saw our parents have were friendships that had lasted decades. Mm. But like you say, a lot of that was because they stayed in the same place. They associated with the same people. They went to the same football club. They went to the same church. They went to the same, Mm. you know, social activities in their town or village as opposed to, you know, picking up and moving workplaces. And again, with work, like... These days, you're not really expected to stay in a workplace for longer than five years. No. <laughs> Whereas, you know, my dad went and worked for a company and he just stayed there. Yeah, yeah. Um, same with my parents, you know, and they just stayed in the same part of the world. Yeah, same the part whole, of the world, yeah. same sort of job, same social circle. Yeah, our lives are completely the opposite of that. Probably mine more than yours because you came to Australia with a partner and then you, you stayed at Early Beach. How long? early beach for a year for a year but you were with your partner yeah yeah not you didn't hate your partner you hate being at early beach but then you came to Melbourne and you already had kind of a pre-friendship pre-family made here for you from his friends yes I walked straight into the friendship group that he had before he went to the UK I literally jumped on a plane Mm. and you know I've lived in Queensland I've lived in Sydney and I've lived in Melbourne and other than no, maybe one or two people in that city, I've had to start from scratch. How do you make friends as an adult? Because again, I think a lot of people really struggle with that. Well, in have you seen society. me? Yeah, Everyone but... wants to be my friend, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you make friends? So 
firstly, I think you need to decide what community you want to be in. Mm. You know, so I think I'm not really a person that would go into a pub, but what I found in every state that I've lived in, the place that I've found friendship and community is definitely a more exercise-driven thing. So always in the yoga studio, um, especially in Sydney, that place just became my home. And I'm still really, really good friends with all the girls that I made friends with there. Mm. And we all did like this yoga project together and it was just really beautiful. But even that, it took me a good year to find my foundations and then by the time I left I couldn't walk down like the beachfront without saying hi to 10 different people Mm. if you want to make friends you have to be quite fearless and I think you have to be quite can I say self-assured yes I don't want to say confident but I think you you need to be like okay and you need to set boundaries of like no I don't want I don't want to be friends with that person that person um and then even like when I came to Melbourne you know i quite quickly had little pockets of people and even this year made a new friend at the yoga studio Nick that's now like he's my best guy friend and I was coming out the studio I looked at him I could feel he was a little bit lost Mm. and he's like I've just moved from he's a Kiwi but moved from Perth and you know we were just talking about coffee shops and I said oh I'm gonna go and get a coffee now if you want to come and then Again, quite instantly, we just became best friends with this lovely little trust for Mm. each other. I think I completely agree with you. I think it is about um, being self-assured and and putting time and energy into the people that you think may very well be good friends. Although, like you said, I came to Melbourne and kind of walked into a ready-made friendship group. That doesn't mean that I felt safe or accepted or known or loved by those people. It took a really long time for me to build trust and responsiveness and with those friendships. And one of the things that I did, now bear in mind this was nine years ago and I was at the height of my partying days, but one of the things that I did was... Can you well, still remember? I know. <laughs> Facebook memories tell me that one of the things that I did was I made such a fuss of everyone's birthday. So there were like... I don't know, like maybe a dozen to 16 of this sort of core group. And every time it was someone's birthday, I hosted the party. I'd wrap presents. I made a really big deal. I made a special novelty cake whenever it was anyone's birthday. Like I made a real effort. I Mm. made an effort to organize girls' lunches and brunches. and, And at some points I had to sort of check myself and I was like, oh, am I like am I elbowing my way into Mm. sort of but you know you have to generate yeah you do you do you can't sit on the sidelines and wait to be invited and that's really easy for somebody like me to say and I completely understand that because I do have a level of self-assurance was I born with it is it because my parents have always made me feel safe and secure and loved so I've always had that innate feeling of we were Mm. talking about this earlier weren't we this feeling that you and I both have which is like I know I'm always going to be okay even if you reject me and don't want to come to lunch with me I'm gonna be okay yeah and you and I kind of agreed that that's probably comes from either we were born with it or that comes from having very loving very stable parents who always made us feel like we were safe and loved and looked after but yeah so again like easy for you and I to say to say well you've just got to go and you've got to invite people for coffee and you've got to you know take the lead I know not everybody necessarily has that that sort of self-assurance and I I think going back to that they I don't think our friendship between you and I ever needed effort. It just came with this beautiful ease. Yeah. And the yoga Sanskrit, they call it Siran Sukra, which Mm. is steadiness and ease. It has got this beautiful energetic flow to it. Yes. I don't know where I sit with reincarnation and past lives. I'm still exploring that and trying concepts on and seeing how I feel about it. Mm. But without doubt, our souls have brushed each other in the past Dor- That's, I, I definitely I feel like I've known you lifetimes oh Doris <laughs> we've sat here a million times having this cup of tea yeah I think Emily was Doris in a previous life to me um I was Mandy Doris and Mandy <laughs> and, and I look it's funny though because I look back on those friendships that I first forged I made such an effort with and I kind of uh, you know, nudged myself into the middle of that friendship group 
and there are a few of them who I'm still exceptionally close with yes. today but not all of them because some of them over time have begun to feel like quite an effort or I felt like mm. you know I'm the one who is constantly constantly making the effort and it's never coming back to me and so some of those friendships and people have children I don't have children so you know contextually and circumstantially some of those friendships have ebbed away and you know have just haven't gotten as much energy from either party and so they've kind of fizzled out a little bit um but you know some of those friendships are still really 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 dear to me but I agree yours and mine just feels like I don't know you just instantly became my quite annoying little (laughs) sister but I'm older than you I know but you feel younger (laughs) that's because I look younger my question, next question to you then, if you're saying you had to make an effort, it's always a two-way street, just mm. like, you know, a relationship. If you're the one constantly making an effort and you back off and they don't, you just like, do, you know, dude, yeah. you're not interested, obviously. Should you have to make an effort or should it just be, have we got something like a French, a special friendship or should every friendship just be effortless? I think there's tears of it, aren't there, really? There you were going to say a tear came to your eye then? No. Tears of friendship, though. Mm. Like, you're the sort of friend that I can be at my very worst with. So you're the sort of friend where, and I've got a few of them. Um, yeah, I've probably got three or four of those friends that I can I can turn up at your front door and be like don't fucking speak to me all night (laughs) and then not say anything on your sofa and then leave and that's okay yeah I can tell you I don't want to talk about something and then three minutes later tell you everything that I didn't want to talk about three minutes Mm. before that and I never feel judged by you I always feel accepted by you I feel understood by you I feel like I can be deeply vulnerable with you and I don't know, like, we haven't known each other very long. No. Like, I, we haven't had that time to build that trust. It's not like, oh, I've known her since childhood. I can trust her with my life. Yeah. It's like she just fucking stalked me a year ago and now we're mates. So I, I can't understand that bit. I, I mean, no. I can't explain that bit. And yeah. I get, it's funny, isn't it? Because like when we talk about things like soulmates and soul contracts, we often put that under the lens of roman- romantic relationships. Mm. And I think we live under this sort of fairy Disney princess paradigm that... Oh. Romantic relationships are the the relationship that you should concentrate on, the most important relationship in your life, the the relationship that we should all strive to have. I am currently single, and I've had some phenomenal relationships romantically and some fucking awful ones, haven't we all? I would die without my female friendships. Oh, 100%. I consider them to be the most sacred, important life-affirming relationships in my life of all of the relationships that Mm. I have I love my family I'm close as hell to my sisters I adore being an auntie of course I love my dad Mm. families of huge value to me but my female I would literally disintegrate without my female friendships sisterhood absolutely yeah and I don't think that we give enough credit to talking about things like when a sister friendship breaks up right Mm. or when we fall out with a sister or when heaven forbid one of your inner circle dies it's like we assume that because you're not sleeping with them that relationship is not as important as your romantic one but it's more I would say that in a weird way for me it's even more intimate my relationship with you my relationship with my friend Kim my relationship with my friend Emma my relationship with my friend Emily those relationships are like my blood like if something happened to you tomorrow I would like my life would I mean I'd get your house which would be nice but (laughs) other than that I would be she's not joking either like devastated and I don't think we give that sort of friendship enough credit and I don't think we talk about it in the reverence that we experience it yeah I on that note I remember when my mum was really ill and it was the point that she was about to die and I'd gone home and I was engaged at the time and I'd gone home to Sean and I was so numb and I I just couldn't speak about it 
and my best friend and time isn't always a thing but I've known my best friend in England since we were three years old she's been my first friend and like I just love her and Sean had called her and said you need to you need to come around and literally as soon as she walked in the door I was able to cry Mm. and she just held me and I just cried and I couldn't do that with anyone else Mm. and you know it's it's so it's so special and so sacred and I don't know why female friendships are just and maybe guys have it I don't know in their like brotherhood but it really is a sisterhood there's a really beautiful book by a journalist called Dolly Alderton who oh good old Dolly so fucking good man she wrote a book called everything I know about love the most amazing book read on a breakup a beautiful memoir and it obviously talks about and chronicles her experiences with romantic relationships but by the end of the book you realize that actually what she's done is write a novel-sized love letter to the women in her life because these men have come and they've gone and they've sure you know taught her some lessons along the way and there's some very funny quirky stories in there Mm. as a result of it but the thing that has stayed constant and consistent and fiercely loyal are her female friendships and And rod stewart and rod stewart yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) anyone that's read the dolly book will understand that quote and um yeah and that was the first time i think i really began to sort of sit back and assess my life and when i look at my life and of course you know the older you get you begin to see pockets don't you of your life Mm. and there was this pocket that i spent in london doing this thing there was a pocket that i spent in this country being this person And every single one of those pockets, I can tell you who my sisterhood were at that time. Mm. So, you know, I went to university and my pocket there were two chicks called, well, we actually called one of them chicken, that was her nickname, but um, Hannah and Katie. We lived together for three years and they were my bloodline. They were my everything. They were the air that I breathed. At the time, because you're so naive when you're in your early 20s, I remember thinking we'll be we'll be like this forever. Yeah. We'll speak to each other every day for the rest of our lives. And of course that's not true. I still speak to them. It's very mm. sporadic, but you know, we're we're in touch, we're in the WhatsApp groups, we're, you know, yeah. they're still part of my uni crew. And then I went off traveling with Katie and I came back and I lived with my friend Vicky. And again, like we were inseparable inseparable I Mm. knew when she was taking a shit I knew what she had for lunch I knew the names of all of the children in her class she was a primary school teacher I used to go in and help on my days off in Mm. her school like we were we did each other's washing and then and I can just I can identify that I moved to London with my friend Laura she then became like and these men who I've had some really beautiful wonderful relationships with have kind of flown in and out of my life and I've lived with some of them mm. but I've always had your sisterhood my sisterhood and and they're all all connected I'm still in contact with all of them but you know as time goes on you I've just always had a female partner so I hope I'm your last partner <laughs> Because remember, we're dying in a nursing home together. Oh, that's true. What would you say to people that, because I do think we're very fortunate of, we're both, we're both go-getters. Yes. It's funny, yes, because I, I actually don't see myself like, I see you like that. I don't see myself like that. But I appreciate that other people see me like that. So maybe I must be like that. You're a go-getter in a different sense to me. You, you'll go get something but you'll sit and analyze it and journal it for five weeks before and then do a full like seminar on it um where I just look at something and go fuck it I'm doing that um but worry about do a full spreadsheet in a seminar about everyone else's life and how that could go wrong um so I think we're both go-getters, but in different senses. Like yeah. when I said something to you earlier, I'm like, oh, I'm thinking about doing a half Ironman in four months. The horror on your face. <laughs> I could see the doubt, but not doubt for me, like doubt in you. It was, it was so funny. Yeah. And I could see that you wanted to be really enthusiastic for me. All I ever want to do is support you. But yeah, but I could see the... with dread. Yeah, yeah, I could see it. So it's okay for you and I, because we're go-getters of the world. What can we say to the people that are not so in-your-face people mm. who are not as confident and self-assured as we are? Of ha- what if they haven't got a sisterhood? Every girl needs a sisterhood. Well, do they or do we just you and I need a sisterhood? 
now every girl needs a sisterhood? I think I and I think you touched on this earlier excuse me when I was in my um early 20s and early 30s I used to think that the amount of friends I had was what was important I used to think that if I knew everybody in the student union then I was safe and it's because you weren't safe in your soul were you absolutely you were a very insecure person absolutely and that is one of the things that I have learned as I've gotten older you actually don't need to have lots and lots and lots of friends and a lot of people don't need a huge social network a lot of people don't need a lot the same level of social connection that maybe I do I'm I'm pretty extroverted Mm. I don't I find other people's company quite invigorating yeah and it helps me top up my energy bucket you're a lot more social than I am yeah I am very social Mm. um but I don't really like going out much (laughs) I'm social as in like can we go to that restaurant where I don't have to dress up and where I can be home by half past eight Mm. um or or and I do this a lot I'll just go and call up a friend and be like I'm going to come and sit on your sofa tonight yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're great at, at just like coming around yeah so I think you have to gauge with yourself you know what is it that you really need and you can't look at me and Rochelle or anybody else and be like oh they've got that so I should have that too mm. isn't that the great kind of like cloud that we're all living under in the social media world that we're all looking at other people's profiles and, and being like oh I should be living that filtered curated life and it's yeah. it's not even real the life that you're comparing yours to so you know you can't assume that because you and I have this friendship that everyone should have this level of friendship or this mm. many friends but I think if you are lacking that feeling of of having someone in your life I'm going to say, aside from your romantic relationship, 100%. Where, where you feel heard and where you feel supported and where you feel really deeply connected, then, you know, I guess it is. It's about putting yourself out there and beginning to make some moves to either expanding your social circle. And that doesn't mean I'm going to go to a party every week. It could just be, all right, you know what? I go to this yoga studio every single week and I've been going there for a year and I see the same three or four people. There are a Mm. few of us who are consistently here every week and I am going to push myself out of my comfort zone and I'm going to speak to one of them and I'm just going to say, hey, do you know what? I see you here every single week. I'm assuming we've got something in common. Should we go for a coffee? Yeah. Most people are really nice. Yeah. And won't turn around and tell you to fuck off. And if they do, it's so about them and not about you because they don't know you. Yeah. So it's their own fear. It's their own worry. It's their own doubt. And it's their own insecurity that's holding them back from saying mm. yes to you. Or, and this is potentially another way to go, maybe you have got some friends that you see quite regularly or some friends that you've had for a really long time, but you don't really feel necessarily very connected to, I would be questioning where's my level of vulnerability with these people and could I make more of an effort with them? Could I open up a little bit more to them? And then they would open up too. Absolutely, because it's, you know, if you go out and you only talk about what what you watched on the telly or whenever Mm -hmm. anyone says to you, how are you going at the moment, Claire? You know, what's going on in your world? And you turn around and go, oh yeah, I'm fine. But inside, you've got all of this stuff that you need to express and that you need to share. Then you're never going to get the connection that you desire. And I think one of the things that you and I did very well from the moment we met each other you were going through a bit of a rough patch. Yeah. I had some stuff going on at the time that was mm. highly vulnerable mm. that I just immediately confronted you with. Yeah. <laughs> like literally you opened the door and here I was, this very vulnerable chicken, and you were going through that breakup. And so mm. I think you and I broke down those walls of defensiveness and protection, which quite often holds people back from being really truly vulnerable with each other in friendship. Yeah. We've spoken before about superpowers and I think a superpower for me is I do not judge and I'm going to say this me personally I don't judge people oh you're you the can, least judgmental person I you know you can quite tell annoying. me anything mm. everyone has a fucking past we have all done fucked up stupid shit thank god there was no Instagram and Facebook when I was younger if someone's judging you I won't want to be their friend anyway yeah um but that's what that's my superpower like, I I you can come and tell me anything. And what's lovely that I've found in the last few years that I've become more self-aware is that so many people come and 
be vulnerable to me. Yeah. And I love that. Mm. Going back to the yoga studio thing of like, if you go there a lot, I started doing something lovely a few weeks ago. I was making a load of soup. And one of the teachers that I go to a class every Tuesday night and Sunday without fail, other than lockdown, um, I took her some soup the other mm. week. And what did she do the week after? Made me some dal. Mm. And now it's become this little community of a few of, few of us at the yoga studio passing swapping food, food. Sw- swapping food. But it's more than that, isn't it? Because then what so happens much more is than that. you gave her some soup. She then took your number and sent you a picture saying, look at me eating my soup. This has meant so much for me. Thank you very much. And so now you've got this open line of communication, which you would never have had in any yeah. other circumstance mm. and so and now that line of communication is being reciprocated with Dahl and and, yeah. and like you say now you've got other people in the community and you're all kind of weirdly soft food sharing and it's very <laughs> sweet I um, think it's gorgeous but there's a pattern in that isn't it because what I, when I first went to the Kundalini yoga studio and Daya was day as a vegan and we did privates together I used to take care a load of like vegan protein balls and stuff mm. I passed on tea to you so yes. my my kind of love language to people is giving them something mm. and then it become it opens the door to something a lot bigger yeah absolutely yeah and I I think at the end of the day you have to have done enough work on yourself to be open to be vulnerable yes to have that level of connection if you are sitting at home carrying the weight of your trauma and you're not doing some kind of personal spiritual development work which means that you have the ability to open up to people and oh not live behind a wall of protection and defense which we all carry we are you know we're all products of our environment I'm not saying that there is anything wrong with people who are you know aren't particularly vulnerable I like believe me I get it. I really do. Um, this is why women come to work with me in the hub is because they're sitting behind a wall of defense and they're, yeah. they're struggling. They're pretending to be somebody that they're not. They're deeply worried about other people judging them and rejecting them. And so they're never really opening themselves up truly, even to their partners, their romantic partners, some of yeah. them. And so I think if you are craving close friendships You've got to start with, okay, am I willing to be vulnerable with myself? Am I willing to work out these defense mechanisms and these strategies that I deploy to try and keep myself safe and protected Mm. from rejection? Because it's those strategies that are keeping me safe and protected from rejection that are also stopping me from having the connection that I desire every time. And so it's about being brave enough to start doing that work on yourself to deconstruct that fear that you have that means that when someone says to you, oh, hey, we're all going for a coffee, you immediately find an excuse, you know, and you go, oh, no, I, I can't today. And you're like, oh, God, no, I couldn't do that. Like, okay, what is that fear? Why can't you? Why can't you like, yeah. deal with that? Don't just sit at home sitting on it. Like, go and find a coach, go and find a therapist, go and find a coaching program, mm. join the hub. That's what the hub is designed to do to help you open you up. Plugging your own Absolutely, <laughs> I am. Yeah, join the hub. Not, not that I'm in it, but I've heard it's great. <laughs> I just get it for free because I'm a tight-ass northerner. <laughs> a few weeks ago, I got myself in this really horrible little cycle of drinking a lot of caffeine, then feeling really sluggish because I was buying a coffee and then buying a croissant or something. And it wasn't that I wanted it. It became like this little habit. Mm. Then I was coming home and ordering Uber Eats and I wasn't exercising because I was injured. And I, and I just got in this really horrible little like cycle oh. with myself Funk, a funk. funk yeah the minute I kind of stepped out and really observed what I was doing mm. thought if I can cut that if I can break this cycle in a morning by not having that coffee and going in that coffee shop then everything else will be like a reverse domino effect mm. I think that what you have just said there which is really poignant is like it's observing yourself and this is why self-reflection and spiritual work and meditation journaling are so important yeah like when you begin to cultivate the muscle of observing yourself and being the witness of yourself you begin to see the patterns you begin to see how your behavior is affecting your manifestations 
you begin to pick up on the belief systems and the thoughts and the stories that you are having that create those patterns Mm. and those behaviors and therefore your manifestations. And you begin to recognize that you are not your thoughts. No. So that thought that you have, which is, I can't say yes to that person asking me for a cup of coffee because I'm so scared that she might not like me and might reject me and therefore I will feel terrible. You begin to recognize that that's not the truth. That is a thought. That's not who you are. That's not your identity. That is an illusion. And the more that you do this deep level of self-realization and self-actualization, you begin to have that sort of superpower, which goes, hang on a minute, I'm in a funk or something in my external world isn't manifesting the way that I want it to, Mm. or what is holding me back from what it is that I truly desire. And almost every human being I know desires connection and belonging. Yeah. And that's what friendship is, right? is feeling like we are connected and like we belong. Um, Before we wrap up this episode, I did have a quick Google you know okay. me, you know me and Dr. Google. And just before you do the Google, mm. um, going back to what you said earlier about how many friends you have, and we unpacked it a bit, my dad used to say this beautiful thing to me. My dad was a very wise man without me realising. He used to say, Rochelle, you will have so many acquaintances in your life, but you will be able to count on one hand how many friends you have. Yeah. So wise. It's so true. Your friends are the people that, will literally be at your door in my case this week cleaning bird poo all around my house because birds flew into my house (laughs) birds flew down your chimney all right so i had a quick google google quick google google quick google google of psychology today do you mind putting another log on the fire i'm not even joking (laughs) sorry ladies and gentlemen please hold while rochelle makes a rustle of the log on the fire thanks babe don't want the fire to go out you know well you're doing you're doing extra wrestling on purpose now like you in the cinema with your popcorn mate don't come to the cinema if you don't want to hear me eat my maltesers all right you've so never invited me psychology today i don't we haven't been to the cinema today. i feel like you oh no i'm not i feel never, like you're not a cinema person well i like to go on my own so I'd, i wouldn't go with you i'm sorry all right, great all right so what draws people together as friends this is according to psychology today there are four points four Ooh. things the first one is common interests tick which is why if you go to a yoga studio and you see the same people there all the time <laughs> you've already got you've already ticked that box you've got something in common yeah yeah you're both either very bendy or spiritual <laughs> i'm i'm both bendy and i'm a spiritual bendy person i'm a spiritual <laughs> but you know like when we were talking about our parents that says something about our parents friendships you know like the yeah. church okay so you've got your faith in common or for my parents they they met so many friends through the theater and the theater work that they did because they, you've got that thing in common you're right your legs just <laughs> Got pins and needles. Pins and needles. Anyway, what's the next one? Because um, you're digressing. I am history. Mm. So when I first read that, I was like, because I'm the same as you, I'm like, you don't have to have friends from bloody kindergarten for you to f- have good friendships in your life. You've but, been in Australia too long. Nursery. Nursery, sorry. But um, then I thought about it and I was like, I also feel like there's like a shared common history, like, Yes. Uh, obviously psychology today weren't talking about past lives mm. but potentially I feel like you and I yeah. have gone way back before this particular incarnation but also like one of the reasons that you also like why do I say like a lot you and I are really good friends because we share the same personal history even though it's not joint history yes so we grew up in the same era we grew up with the same things we grew up we were singing um, Simply Red earlier on the balcony Pleasure with your neighbours. At the playground and away. And I love the thought of coming home to you. <laughs> Even if I know you can make it. So we were singing that song on the balcony and your Australian neighbours were there and had never heard that song before. But they are like 10 years younger than we. You and they're and 10 years younger than you and I. So they're, they're not kids of the 80s and they didn't grow up in the UK so they probably don't know who Simply Red are and so you know again it's that Mm. level of history I don't necessarily think I think we share a history that we didn't necessarily live at the same time in tandem yeah and just like you know in our 20s we both partied a lot and yeah we'd done all the same things but just in different timelines if a gate crasher tune came on now we'd both be like common values we'd be like turn it down it's so loud (laughs) turn it down past the t common values 
And I think oh. this for me is huge. If you, I, I have acquaintances that I don't share the same values with, that mm. the older I get, the less time I've got for yes. them. I find entitled people really upsetting. I find people who are disrespectful. So you upset yourself. Misogynistic. I'm in, I'm privileged, but I don't think I'm nah, entitled. I'm joking. Um, you know, I think, I think we share, when I look at all of the close girlfriends in yes. my life, our values are the same. They're completely aligned. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think we've really got anything value-wise that is different. No, I would agree. Um, how do you define a value? Don't know. Let's dissect that in another. Oh, I'm touching your hand. Do you not? Foot. <laughs> fucking hate feet. I, one of the things I hate more than anything else is when somebody else's foot touches mine. Get your skanky toes away from me. I'm not saying that you've got skanky toes. You've actually got quite nice feet, but I just... Oh, oh, people's feet. Oh, man. <laughs> I was trying to take our friendship to a whole new level. No, not happening. Foot level. I'm um, just going to say very quickly, though, I think I want to define what a value is for someone very quickly. Yeah, so I think mindset coach, please dissect so that. So value is um, an experience that you want to have on a consistent basis that, mm. that helps you feel aligned to life. Yeah. Um, it's like how you show up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, equality is the fourth one. So I'm going to read their definition. Yes, please do. If one friend needs the support of the other on a consistent basis, such that the person depended upon receives no benefit other than the opportunity to support and engage, while the relationship may be significant and valuable, it can't be said to define a true friendship. So if one person's well needy and the other person's just like... The, the person that always picks yeah. up the pieces so basically if you're in a really codependent relationship but what I will say is if you're in a codependent romantic relationship like yeah. it is you've got codependent friendships mm. our friendship is not co- we are so balanced yeah I would agree like we're very equal yeah we're very on par yeah we're both fiercely independent people mm. as well I think that helps I think that's why we're single oh god that's a conversation for another time isn't it thanks for the chat that was great thank you thanks for coming around oh, you're welcome and, uh, i'm definitely gonna stay here while we watch a movie okay shall we watch oh what's a good one like Let's a friendship one. how to be single i That's think a- i've watched that three times in your house that's your favorite <laughs> movie of all time i just love it when rebel wilson goes around her apartment on the little scooter at the end yeah that is cute and she's Hilarious. well rich yeah um i do love movies about female friendships especially (gasps) Thelma and we hope you've enjoyed this episode as always we'd love to hear your feedback we just ask that you make it kind if you have topics you'd like us to cover questions you'd like to ask or just fancy getting in touch please head to the show notes if you're listening on iTunes please rate and review and as always share us with your mates thanks for listening thanks for listening